All right, Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14, here we go. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him, and he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to uh, look at your word this morning. We thank you, Father, for uh, the the knowledge, the the truth that that there is all the power we need in Jesus. And Lord, we want to be connected to Jesus. We want to be uh, in fellowship with Jesus. God, we want our faith to grow. We want it to mature. We want it to strengthen. And God, we want to see your power at work in our lives. So Lord, help us today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. We ask for the power of your spirit to come and and work in us uh, in this hour. Amen. All right. Uh, It is significant again where this passage occurs. That was true last week. It's true this week. Uh, In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of those gospels, this story occurs right after the transfiguration. Which I think is a really cool picture of just... The way life is, okay? So you got Jesus, Peter, James, and John going up on the mountain. They see his glory. He's transfigured in, in front of their eyes, you know? The, the, the real Jesus, I guess, shines, you know? And they see him for who he is. His glory blazes. They're stunned. Elijah, Moses shows up. Um, Peter, Peter wants to never leave, you know? He's like, Jesus, this is awesome. I want to stay here forever. Let's build some condos up here. We'll just, you know, camp out here forever. And, and Jesus says, no, you know, we, we're going back down. The Father speaks from heaven. Listen to my son. And so they start back down the mountain, okay? Now, it's interesting to me that after that incredible, incredible experience of glory on the mountain, when they come back down, there isn't any, like, reprieve. There's no rest. There's no, you know, they, they, they come back down right into the thick of it all, okay? Uh, as soon as they come down, there's a crowd. There's a demon-possessed boy. The disciples can't, you know, can't cast it out. There's a problem. The scribes are arguing with them. I mean, there's just this mess. It's kind of like when you go on vacation. You ever go on vacation, and then, like, you're driving back to Woodward, and, and you don't even get back to Woodward before the phone rings, and, you know, this has happened, and that's happened. There's a disaster. There's a problem. You know, what are you going to do about it? You know, got to... 
You know what I mean? It just all just hits you, okay? Well, let me tell you, that's the way it is spiritually as well, okay? Because here's the truth about you and I's life. We are in the battle, and we will be in the battle until glory, okay? It, it's not going away. And even after this mountaintop experience that Peter, James, and John have, they walk right back into the thick of demonic, you know, devilish sin, horrible stuff, okay? So they come back home. Crowd is gathered. Jesus asks what's going on. Uh, A man brought his son uh, who has an unclean spirit to the disciples. Now, I don't think we need to do a lot of work there because what was about a month ago? We we spent a whole morning on Matthew chapter 5, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5, which was all about the demon-possessed man. And and in that that sermon, if you'll just kind of remember a couple big points, we talked about how demonic influence... Is, is, is the case for everybody in this room, okay? Ephesians chapter 2 says, we all once walked in the course of this world, okay? So demonic possession is not a reality. Hopefully not anybody in here, uh, but, but, but demonic influence is, okay? The, Satan has a course for this world. He has a plan for this world. He has a plan for your life. He, he is influencing you in certain ways. And whenever you don't trust God and you do trust him, whenever you follow his plan, whenever you yield to your sinful desires, it always ends the same way. It's interesting to me that you look time and time and time through the Gospels. There's all kinds of accounts of demonic possession. Never is it good. Okay? Now, never does it talk about, you know, the devil possessing someone and their life is just full of joy, peace, and happiness. All right? And their life is full of, of good things and righteousness. Never, ever, ever. It always destroys. It always tears apart people. It, it always mangles them. It is always destruction. And that is pretty much the way it is all in all of life. The devil's plan for you is to steal, kill, and destroy and to lead you into misery. All right? So that's what Jesus walks into off the mountain. Now, here, here's kind of a key point in the story. The, he says, what's going on? The disciples, there's nine of them down on the bottom, okay? So he took three of them with him. There's 12 total, right? He took Peter, James, and John. There's nine disciples left doing kind of his ministry while he's up on the mountain. And so a, a man brought his son to these nine disciples. They've been given authority to cast out demons. Remember that happened in Mark chapter 6. They've been given authority to do the work of Jesus' ministry. But here's the reality. Verse 18 says, So I ask your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. They were not able. They couldn't do it. They couldn't help. Here's a guy that brings his son. His son is in trouble. His son is, is tortured by the demonic. His son's a mess. And, and, the, and this guy brings him to the disciples, nine of them. You got Matthew, you got Peter, you got, not Peter. You got Matthew, you got Philip, you got Bartholomew, you got Thomas, you got you know, the other nine. And they can't do anything. They lack the power to help this man. Now stop right there. Is there ever a time in your life where you lack the power to do what God told you to do? Is there ever a time in your life where you, you, you have good intentions to get out of sin, to uh, um, um, turn away from a certain thing that's got you in bondage? Do you, you, you ever lack the power to get free from an addiction? Do you ever lack the power to repent of sinful habits? Are you ever in bitterness and you know you shouldn't be bitter? You know you shouldn't want vengeance. You know you shouldn't want revenge. But, but you can't get free of that. Or, 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 do you ever get into what I call a funk? 
You know, you're just, you're just selfish, you're despairing, you got a bad attitude, and you know you shouldn't be there, you, you, but, but, but you lack the power to get out of that. Uh, do, you, do, you ever, do you ever need power to persevere in faith? Do you ever need power to love difficult people and you're just not doing a very good job? Do you ever need power not to be selfish and you're not doing a very good job? Do you ever need power to, to do what you know you ought to do, but you just don't want to do it? I would say that we all would have to say, yes, I know what that is. I know what that is, to not have the power to do what God's calling me to do. And you know what? Whenever you lack the power, you know what all you've got left? All you've got is good intentions, right? Hey, there's lots of people that leave a church service every Sunday with good intentions, you know? I'm going to forgive. I'm going to get right. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to do that. And, and it never materializes because there's no power behind it, all right? We desperately need power. And here's the truth. Power only comes from one place. You can't get it at Walmart. You can't get it at iTunes. It only comes from one place, and that is from the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where all the power comes from, all right? And so... So unless we're connected, vitally connected to Jesus, there is no power. What a sad situation here that this man brings his son to these representatives of Jesus. That's what the nine disciples are, aren't they? They're representatives of Jesus. Kind of like you are, right? 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us we are ambassadors for Christ. You represent Jesus to a lost world. Isn't that something? That's kind of a heavy responsibility, isn't it? That you represent Jesus in your workplace. If you're the Christian, you represent Jesus there. And man, what a sad thing when, when those believers lack the power to do what God's called them to do. That's a tragic thing. And again, the disciples, these nine disciples had been given authority to do just what they were called on to do here. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, it says, and he called the 12 and he began to send them out two by two and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So Jesus had already given them authority over unclean spirits. And in verse 13 of the same chapter, it says, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they had done this before. They had done the work of Jesus. They'd done the ministry of Jesus before. But here's the deal about Jesus' power. It's not just yours to do whatever you want with. Does that make sense? Like, like, like when you've been given, you know, these riches of Christ, it's not like you're like, all right, they're mine now, you know, I'm going to use them to minister to you. I'm going to use this strength to minister to you today. Tomorrow I'm using it to get me a Ferrari. You know I mean? That, that, that's not the way that, I mean, Jesus power works. All right. We have to stay vitally connected to Jesus. Jesus has the power and we have to stay connected to Jesus. Notice what, uh, what Jesus says when this guy doubts his power and you can understand why he doubts. You know, he, he just brought his son to these nine guys and they weren't able to do anything. And so in verse 20, he tells the story to Jesus, talks about how, how bad off his son is. How, how horrible his son, you know, is experiencing this, this torture. And then in verse 20, um, 20, let's see, it's 20, no, 21. Uh, no, 22. <laughs> and it cast him, and, and it's cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Okay, there's something wrong with the way he said that. If you can do anything. If, if. What does that imply? Jesus, maybe you just can't handle this one. Maybe this is too big for you, Jesus. Maybe this obstacle is too high. Maybe this, 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 this problem is too big. Maybe, maybe, you know, Jesus, I know you're going to try, but if you, if you can, could you? And Jesus comes back and says, if you can? What, 
What are you talking about there? He says, all things are possible for the one who believes. Okay, now again, not, the power's not with us. Don't take that the wrong way. Hey, I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. The power is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is possible with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, the power rests in him. Now, the key question is, though, are we connected to Christ's power? Now, let's ask ourselves this question because this is important in all the Christian life. What connects you to Jesus? What connects you to the power of Jesus? What connects you to the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the riches of Jesus, the, uh, the, the strength, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace? What connects you to that? And the answer to that question is the same all through the Bible. Faith is what connects you to the power of Jesus, okay? Faith is, faith is that connection to the grace of God. Let, let, me, let me give you a, a great verse on salvation. It's a very short verse. It summarizes salvation. Verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, did you hear that? How are you saved? I'm saved by grace, okay? How did I get forgiveness? God's grace. How did I get, how did I, how, how was I born again? God's grace. How am I, uh, how am I sanctified and made holy? God's grace. All the power comes from God, okay? But what connects me to that grace? For by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith, right? You see, without faith, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Hey, listen, if you don't have faith, you can't please God. If you don't have faith, you're not connected to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you make yourself a list of 200 good deeds, you know, and you do them every day. You know, every day you get up, you do all these good deeds, good deed, good deed, good deed, good deed, you know, all these great works. Listen, that matters nothing if you do not have faith. The only way you can be pleasing to God, the only way you can be connected to the power of Christ, the only way you can be born again, forgiven, any of the riches of God, the only way is for you to be connected to Jesus by faith. Without faith, you don't get anything from God. There is no grace that, 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 that comes to you. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, me, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. That's good news. God gives wisdom generously. That's great. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James says if you, if, if you, don't, if you don't come to Jesus in faith, don't expect to receive anything. Okay? So, so the vital connection between me and Christ is faith. In the 830 service, I, uh, I gave an illustration of this from an oil field standpoint about a pipeline being, being, uh, f- being faith that, you know, communicate. It just was terrible. It was terrible because I don't know anything about the oil field really. And so I was having to, you know, guess. And anyway, so I changed my illustration in the second service to a bicycle because I know about bicycles. All right. So in a bicycle, if, you, if you've been here a long time, I, I actually brought a bicycle up on stage one time and, and, and used it as an illustration. And, and if you think about it, the power from a bicycle, okay, this is where it's different. Some of you faith riders, you're not going to get this because the power from a motorcycle comes from the engine, okay? Power from a bicycle comes from the person, right? I mean, it's the person. He's the one driving, you know, powering it, all right? The back wheel is what makes you go. That's, that's the works. That's the action. That's the deeds. Now, the chain is the vital link between the power and the works. You see, if there's no chain, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much power is up there. It's not going anywhere. 
we were riding bikes south of town about, uh, it's been maybe quite a while ago, six months, nine months, a year, something like that. And we were riding with Michael Wilcox, and uh, Michael was following Andrew. He was drafting off of Andrew. And um, I draft off of Andrew a lot, but, but the thing about drafting off of Andrew is he's not a consistent rider. He didn't drive a, sp- a consistent speed. He like, he's like Randall. I never draft off Randall because Randall's just cr- all over, you know. He'd try to wreck me, you know. But, but Drew doesn't try to, but he, he'll, like, he'll, like speed, he'll like go a certain speed, and all of a sudden he'll stand up on his bike, which slows him down. And so if you're like six inches from his wheel and you're not paying attention, or you run into him. You know, that's what happened with Michael. He ran into Andrew's back tire and he crashed and he bloodied the whole side of his leg. And so we circled back around and we're helping him up and laughing at him a little bit because that's what brothers do. And, you know, and, and we help him up and, and he's, hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And we're still on this hill. You know, we're still on this hill. He's like, yeah, I'm okay. And so he clips in his right pedal. You know, he clips and locks it in. And, and then he jumps up on his bike and he starts pedaling. He falls over again, right to the left, you know, bloodies up his left leg. The chain was off, you know, didn't matter how much power it's not making it to the back wheel. There's no chain. Listen, Jesus got all the power you need. But if you're not vitally connected to him by by faith, it's not getting to your life. And so faith is the crucial deal here. Okay, faith is the crucial deal. Now, some of you don't believe me. Okay, let me show you. Let me prove it to you. Are you ready? Uh, Here we go. So, verse 18. Jesus comes down from the mountain. He says, what's happening here, guys? They tell him the story about how how he brought his son to, to the disciples. They couldn't do anything. How does Jesus respond? Verse 19. Oh, faithless generation. Did everybody see that? Oh, faithless generation. What's Jesus saying? Man, they're faithless. They... They don't have faith. He's frustrated with that. Why don't they trust me? Why don't they believe? Why aren't they more vitally connected to me? Okay. Then the father comes to Jesus and the father tells him the story. And then he says, you know, if you can do anything, you know, and Jesus says in verse 23, if you can, all things are possible. The one who believes, right? And then go down a little further. Verse 28, when they entered the house, so they all get off by themselves. Now, Jesus and the disciples And they asked Jesus privately, why could we not cast it out? Jesus, why do we lack power? Okay, now stop reading. Don't read anymore. You're still reading, aren't you? Don't read anymore. Okay, we're going to go into Matthew for a second. Matthew 17, exact same story. Exact same story. Exact same place in the gospel. Notice what Matthew records of Jesus' words. Now, now you remember, the answer to that question was probably all night long, wasn't it? You know, they probably talked about this the rest of the night, all right? But in the Gospels, we're just given, you know, what God wants us by the power of the Holy Spirit to to receive. And so different authors record different parts of what Jesus said. Okay, so Matthew records this. Verse 19 of chapter 17. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. Doesn't that fit? Jesus says, Oh, faithless generation. Jesus tells the, the Father, You know, all things are possible if you believe. Now, the disciples, why couldn't we cast it out? Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the grain the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, so, so it's very clear here that faith is the issue. Okay, now go back to Mark. Okay, go back to Mark. Okay, let's read what Mark says here. 
Mark records the question, why could we not cast it out? That's verse 28. The answer he records Jesus saying is, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. All right. So, so what, why couldn't they cast it out? Faith or prayer? Now, now, let me tell you, first of all, why I think that they recorded different things. Number one reason is because both those things are really necessary. You're going to see that as we progress. They're both the answer. Okay. Why did, why did the writer specifically do what he did? I think because of this. I, I read this somewhere, and I think it's true. Matthew was one of the nine disciples down at the bottom. He's one of the ones that failed, that blew it, okay? Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain. Matthew's one of the ones that failed. The, the, the writers of the New Testament, this is always true, are always harder on themselves than they are on other people. So you know what Matthew records? He records the hardest words of Jesus. You didn't believe. Your faith is too small. He records that. He owns it, okay? Mark, Mark was not there. Mark, Mark, Mark comes later. Mark gets all of his information from Peter, okay? Mark is the gospel that's kind of seen through the eyes of Peter. Where was Peter? Peter's on the mountain, okay? So he throttles back because he wasn't one of the nine. So he records Jesus' more generic statement of, you need to pray more, okay? You, 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 you lack power because you lack prayer. Now, I am so thankful for the way that the Holy Spirit put those gospels together because here's the reality. Prayer is the chief exercise of faith. You see, those are both true, okay? They're, they're both true. Why could they, they lack power? Because they lacked faith. Why they lack faith? Because they were prayerless, okay? Those, those go together. Prayer is the chief exercise of faith. Prayer is the chief expression of faith. When we look at our lives, what we see is the way that daily, moment by moment, we express our faith most of the time is through, through prayer. In fact, in Mark chapter 11, and Mark actually records Jesus' answer, or a similar answer, but he records it in a different place. In Mark eleven twenty three, Mark says, Mark records Jesus as saying, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that, he, that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Mark records the same story of, of, of Jesus there. And then look, verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it. You see, faith and prayer are intertwined, all right? Faith is the expression, or prayer is the expression of our faith, and prayer cultivates our faith. Now, it's not the only expression, okay? There are other ways that we express our faith. Uh, sometimes people express their faith by building an ark, okay? Remember Noah, right? God told him, Noah, I'm going to flood the world. If you're going to be saved, you've got to build an ark. Noah said, I believe, where is my hammer, right? That, that was the expression of his faith. Sometimes it's by getting up and moving everything you, you've got to another world, another land. Abraham heard the word of God. God said, get up, go to this land. I'm going to give you, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Abraham said, pack your stuff, Sarah. We're moving. Okay, so, so faith sometimes expresses itself in actions. Sometimes it's going to express itself in you not having a bad attitude. Sometimes it's going to express your, itself in, in gratefulness. Sometimes it'll be unforgiveness. Sometimes if you say, Jesus, I believe you, you're going to act in a certain way. But here's the truth over and over on a daily basis. Faith expresses itself in, in constant prayer. Have I ever asked you how your faith is? I ask that question a lot of people. How's your faith? How's your faith? I walked into Fifth Street, the 945 service. I had to go to the bathroom. Went in the bathroom. There's a, a, another guy in there. He's washing his hands. I said, brother, how's your faith? All guys like to talk in the bathroom. You know. <laughs> how's your faith? What did I mean by that? How's your faith? 
Here's what I didn't mean. I did not mean, hey, have you changed any of your mental convictions in the last week? What I didn't want him to do, I didn't want him to go through in his mind and say, okay, do I still believe that Jesus is Lord? Yep. Do I still believe that he died on the cross? Yep. Do I still believe in the resurrection? Yep. Do I still believe that God created the world? Yep. Do I still believe that uh, Jesus is coming back? Yep. No, nope, my face good. That's not what I wanted. You, you know what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at when I ask that question? Are you relying on Jesus? Are you depending on Jesus on a moment-by-moment basis? That's, that's, that's the answer to that question. That's what that question's about. When I ask you, how's your faith? That, that's really what I'm getting at is, is, are you depending on Jesus for specific things? Okay. Let's say your marriage is hard. Okay. Are you a person of faith? The answer to that question is, are you taking your marriage to Jesus? Are you saying, Jesus, help me here. Help me with this. Jesus, I want to do what you want to do here. I want to be the person you want me to be here. Jesus, I, I struggle here. I can't affect this, but you can. I'm trusting you here. Maybe, maybe it's your job. And on a day-to-day basis, you're saying, Jesus, I need power. I need power to live the Christian life in my workplace. Jesus, I need power not to follow the temptation. I need power to go the other way. Jesus, will you help? I mean, that, that, that's what we're asking. Is, are you relying upon Jesus day by day? I have heard time after time, I've heard time after time, and I keep using this as an illustration. And the reason I use this as an illustration is because I don't want any of my congregation, any of my brothers and sisters to ever give me this answer again. But I've had multiple people, and I'm talking like maybe close to 50 or 60. I've had multiple people tell me over the years, when I've asked them about prayer, they'll say something like, I never pray for myself. I always pray for other people. Okay? Now that sounds good at first, but that's actually tragic. Let me tell you why that's tragic. That is somebody who's not relying upon Jesus. You, you know what that says? That says, I don't really need him. I, Pastor, you need him. Amen. I do. You know, I, Pastor, you, that says, that's somebody who says, Jesus, I'm good. I can handle things. I got it myself. I, I can take care of myself. Pastor needs lots of help. Please go help him. You know, I mean, that, that's really what that says. And I do need lots of help. Please do come help me. But listen, you need to depend on Jesus in your daily life. That, that, that's what it means to be a person of faith. And what does prayer do? The person who prays much is the person who's continually Looking to Jesus. We use that phrase, looking to Jesus, don't we? It's actually a biblical phrase, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know what I think of? I think of when my kids were like two, three, four years old, five, in that, that age range. They all do a very similar thing, okay? When, uh, when, when one of you guys in the church comes up and you're teasing them, you know, uh, Randall, Randall will come up, or Helen will do this. I remember they do this to my kids. They'll come up with like a sack, you know, it's got, you know, and they'll shake it and it's noisy. And they'll be like, here, Haven, or here, Haddon, or here, Avery. See, put your hand in there. Okay, now, you know what my kids always do if I'm around? You know what they do? Always. Very subtle. They look at me. Why do they look at me? You know what they're saying? I don't trust Randall, but I trust you, Dad. Should I put my hand in there? It's a sign of trust. It's actually a beautiful thing. If you've had little kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? They get into a, a situation they're not comfortable with. And what do they do? Immediately, they're looking. A lot of times they're reaching. Look and reach. Look and reach. Where's dad's hand? Dad? Dad, you hear? Sometimes they'll just back up. They'll look for a leg, you know? <laughs> that, that's trust. 
Okay, that's one, that's one extreme. You know the other extreme? And I've had this experience with my kids too. The other extreme is where they're so focused on what they're doing, they're not listening to mom and dad at all. Okay? I've been in that McDonald's uh, playland, sitting right outside that ball pit, yelling on the inside. I'm like three feet from them, you know. Had and quit licking the balls, you know. I don't, I don't know if he really did that. You, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? It's just like, like and, or there's zip. I see this all the time, even at church. Like kids zipping by and there's a mom, you know, hey, 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 you know. They're chasing after him, you know. They're just, they're oblivious. Okay, which is your life? Are you, are you the kind of Christian? You're constantly looking, reaching, looking, reaching, looking, reaching. God, I'm, I'm struggling. Reach, look. God, I don't, I don't want to go to work today. Reach, look. God, I'm having trouble loving this person. Are you the person that's just, you got your deal, you're going, God's screaming, <laughs> Holy Spirit's yelling. You don't hear nothing. How's your faith? How's your faith? Now, I'm not saying that prayer is the only indicator. Actually, there's some prayer that doesn't, doesn't indicate faith. Remember when Jesus uh, talked about vain repetitions in, uh, where's that? Matthew 6, I think it is. Uh, remember that? I mean, they're, they're, have, you ever, have you ever caught yourself praying and you're not even listening to what you're saying? You know? You just... Saying the same prayer over and over again. Um, you know, that, that's really a dangerous thing like for meal prayers. God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food. Pass the plate. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, and it's like the kid's like, you know. Maybe you're just praying because your spouse wants you to. So I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not always. But, but in general, here's, here's the reality. Much prayer. Much coming to God in dependence. Is a, is a good sign for where your faith at. What do you do when you realize your faith is lacking? What do you do? You see, it's not really a question of do you have faith or do you not have faith. I mean, that is a question, by the way. <laughs> oh, let's go ahead and ask it. Do you have faith? Okay. If you're here today and, and you don't, tr- you've never trusted Jesus. You never put your faith in Him. You never repented of your sins. You're you're lost. What does that mean, lost? That means you're separated from God. You're separated from Jesus. You're going to have to pay for your own sins. You need him. Turn to him. Okay, so that's one question, all right? But now, everybody who answered yes, I'm a person of faith. Okay, the next question is, how's your faith? You see, it's possible to believe and yet be unbelieving. How do I know that? Well, look here. Verse 24. The father cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. All right, which is it? Is he believing or unbelieving? You know, I believe, help my unbelief. Well, he's both. You you know what's true of you? You who believe in Jesus, you still have pockets of unbelief in your life. Don't you? You know how I know that? Because you have pockets of sin in your life. And the scripture tells me that. By the way, I haven't been reading your mail or anything. <laughs> and the root of sin is unbelief. True? Let's say you're, let's say you're, let's say you're burdened with anxiety. You are just weighed down. You're one of those people, your gut's twisted up in knots about 
all this stuff in your life. You can't sleep at night. You're taking more Tums than you are, you know, hamburgers. And you're just, you're just a ball of worry. Why? It's unbelief. Scripture says in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Links it right to prayer, doesn't it? What happens then? Next verse, And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe you got vengeance. What's the root of vengeance? Now, automatically, we're, we're going to say, well, the root of my vengeance is so-and-so did this to me, right? That's actually not the root of your vengeance. The root of your vengeance is you don't trust Jesus. Because Romans 12, if you've been reading through Paul with us, you read this this week. Romans 12 says, repay no one evil for evil. Why? Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, whenever someone says they're going to take care of something and you say, okay, and then you go take care of it, what does that mean? You didn't trust them, right? Right? Isn't that what that means? So if God said, I'll take care of it, and you're like, great, God, thanks. Now I'm going to take care of it. What does that mean? That means you don't trust him. You don't trust that he can do it. You don't trust he's going to do it better than you can. You're not willing to put yourself in his hands. It's a pocket of unbelief. What about greed? Why are people greedy? Because they don't trust Jesus to provide for them. They don't trust Jesus to satisfy their soul. Why do people lie? Oh, that's, that's, that's a good one, isn't it? Why do people lie? You know why people lie? Because they're faced with a dilemma that they're scared that if they tell the truth, they're going to look bad or they're going to have consequences or they're going to get in trouble. And so they got two choices. Jesus your, your truth is so I'm going to tell the truth. And Lord, I'm going to trust you that what you're going to take care of me in whatever, whatever happens. Or they can say, Jesus, I don't trust that you will do a good job there. So I'm going to take care of myself. And I'm going to do that through deceit. It's really an issue of trust, isn't it? How about um, lust? Yeah. What's the root? God, I don't believe you're good. your plan is good. I don't believe that... that Walking your way and, and, and saying no to self will lead to happiness. I believe that saying yes to my desires will lead to happiness. All sin comes back to trust. And so what, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Well, if, if, if we find ourselves lacking faith, number one, we, we need to identify the areas of unbelief. We need, to, we need to admit it, first of all. I got pockets of unbelief in my life, and here they are. And how do they know what they are? How do I know what they are? Because I know what my sin is. And so I know, I know, I need, God help my unbelief in these areas. Number three, accept the fact that, that spiritual maturity is going to be costly. Do you notice what Jesus says in verse 29? He said, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. What does that mean, this kind? This kind. You know, are there some demons that are real wimpy, you know, and almost anybody can drive them out and other demons are, I don't know, maybe so. But, but, but I, think what, I think what he's getting at is, this is going to be a battle. You're going to have to be prepared. It's going to be costly. Some sin is more entrenched than others. So, so there are strongholds that are more difficult than others. That, that's true in my life. I, man, I know when, when I became a Christian, there was a whole lifestyle that disappeared literally overnight. There's other things that I'm still struggling with. I'm still chipping away at by the power of the Spirit. Number four. If we're going to increase in faith, 
I'm convinced of this. We must increase in prayer. That's why I'm so thankful for Mark recording what he did, Matthew recording what he did. Because, boy, those two are really linked together. If I'm going to increase in faith, I need to increase in prayer. And not, not, not just prayer at the time of the obstacle. You know, that's, that's a lot of times what we think of. I'm, I'm going to go through my life and boom, I hit an obstacle. Boom, I hit trouble. Boom, I hit a bad time in my life. And then I'm going to pray. Well, yeah, y- y'all too. You know, that's exactly right. But you know what would have been better? What would have been better is if you would have been praying back here. Right? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Getting strong in faith. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Handing things to Him. Letting Him change you. Letting Him transform you. Now you hit the obstacle. It's not near as big. Right? But that's not the way we do it. Sometimes we wait until the obstacle, and then we cry out in prayer. Listen, Jesus lived a life of prayer. let's, Let's review just a little bit. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed... Mark chapter uh, 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Why is Jesus always going on the mountain to pray? Okay? I'll give you two options and I'll just let you pick. Okay? Because either one is good for me. All right? Option number one. Spiritual men should go to the mountains to pray. Now, if that is true, then I believe as your pastor that you should authorize me to go to the mountains probably once a month and to spend some time backpacking and hiking and praying and seeking the Lord for the benefit of our church. If that is the case, I am perfectly fine to accept that. I, my backpack is actually out in my living room right now, and I am willing to go, okay? Or B, could it be that Jesus was so mobbed by the crowds all the time, he had, he had to give great effort to get away to be by himself with the Father. Have you ever noticed that the higher and steeper the mountain you climb, the less people go with you? Have you noticed that? We noticed that in our, our student ministry, you know. We got a whole bunch of kids that go to Falls Creek. It's flatlands, air-conditioned, okay? When we say red cloud, four-day hiking trip, climb a 14er, it dwindles. There's a great picture of that in our lives. If you're going to get away by yourself and spend time with the Father, it's going to take effort, isn't it? You're going to have to climb a mountain. Now, what, what kind of mountain? Well, here's, here's the reasons people give me they, can't, they don't pray like they ought to. I'm busy. Work demands all kinds of things from me. My kids are always sucking me dry. Oh, someone needs to be picked up. Someone needs to be chauffeured. Someone needs this, that. Yep, yep, yep. It's all true. And it's probably not going to be untrue. And so the only way you're going to get there is if you're willing to give great effort to getting away to be with the Lord. That's convicting, isn't it? Just a matter of effort. Just a matter of effort. And oh, folks, it's so much better when we prepare in prayer before the obstacle, before the battle. I told a wrestling story in the other services. I don't know if it's any good or not, but I was wrestling this guy uh, from Leota named Rito, and I'd wrestled him several times, and I couldn't beat him. And uh, I couldn't beat him because he was a lot stronger than me. Like, his muscles were twice my muscles. He was one of those kids that matured really early, you know, full beard, 13 or so, you know. And uh, <laughs> Avery asked me uh, this week in the car, she said, Dad, how long have you had a beard? And I told her this big story. I said, I was about 9 or 10, honey, and... 
I said, I saw this, this show called Grizzly Adams, and so I, I stopped shaving. And I said, but, you know, all the other kids were jealous. And so I went in and shaved through high school. And then after, after college, I, you know, I told her, she didn't believe me. But anyway, this was true of Rito. He really did. I mean, I mean, he just was one of those kids. He just developed early. And, and so anyway, he was just strong. And so my coach and I devised a plan. Now, here was the plan. I, I would sweep in, because I was faster than him, better technician. I would sweep in with a sweep single, and I would, I would scoop that leg out. I would take him down. I'd get my two points, and I would immediately let him up so he couldn't get a hold of me. And I'd sweep in, take him down, let him up. Worked awesome for the first period. Second period, I got a little more tired, a little more fatigued. Third period, coach, I remember him sitting aside. I was like, you're ahead. You got this. Just do it again. Here's what he didn't know. Gas tank was on zero. You see, it didn't matter how bad I wanted it here. Okay. What mattered was how badly did I want it a month ago? Because that's when I would have had to done what needed to be done to get done what needed to be done there. So here's what I know. You got trouble in your future. I hate to tell you that. You got struggles coming up. Don't you? Isn't that true? You're going to have it. There's going to be spiritual battles ahead. And so if we want to prepare for those battles, what, what, what do we need to do? If we want power, let's, let's, let's review. If we want power, what do we need to do? We need, we need to have faith. If we want faith, if we want to cultivate strong faith, what do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to spend time praying. How, how many of your Bibles in verse uh, 29, it says prayer and fasting? How many of your Bibles say prayer and fasting? Okay, we've got a couple. Um, yeah, let me tell you the reason for that. The later, latest manuscripts, the like, like from, I don't know, it's like 1400, maybe 12. I, I don't, anyway, I don't know the dates, but the later manuscripts include fasting. The earliest manuscripts we have, like the ones from three, four, 500 AD, they don't include fasting. Now, now let me, let me tell you the beautiful thing about this. Those of you who have ever questioned the authority of the Bible, it is, it is absolutely supernatural that we have a document that has been reproduced thousands upon thousands of times. We have over 3,000 original Greek New Testaments, Greek documents of the New Testament, okay, from, from the first century. Or not from the first from the first thousand years of, of after Christ. It's absolutely amazing. They all agree, except for a few minor things, and this is one of them, okay? Now, I, here's what happened. I'm almost sure of it, Okay. Prayer and fasting were so associated with one another in the, in the early New Testament that, that some scribe somewhere, as he's reproducing the New Testament, in the margin probably wrote fasting and fasting. Okay, The next scribe, maybe 30, 40, 50 years later, picked that up probably. And that's why it's not in the earliest manuscripts. Incredible that we have all those to compare from. So, so that's, that's what I think. That's my opinion. I could be wrong about that. But here's the, here's the beautiful thing. All of those kind of differences in the Bible, none of them matter. Like, like they're, they're none, they're, none of them are things that actually would change anything we believe. Because whether fasting occurs there or not, does that change anything? Well, no, because in Matthew 6.16, 6, Jesus said, when you fast. Okay? So, so let me pick up on that just for a second. Why should you fast? Why should you fast? Why should you not eat and spend time specifically praying? Well, let, let, me, let me tell you why. Um, I, I think it's a big deal whether we have faith or not. And I think we should treat that as a big deal to grow our faith. And here's, here's what's true about me. When I wake up in the morning, 
Five o'clock came this morning. I roll out of bed. You know, one of the things going through my head was for breakfast. Okay. 1030 in the morning. No joke. 1030 in the morning. You know what I'm thinking about? What am I going to do for lunch? Moment I walk in the door in the afternoon. You know what the first question I ask my wife is? What's for supper? She, she and I are on different time schedules. She'd just soon eat at 730. Man, that's a killer for me. When she says, I don't know, ah, I, that's, that's bad. I want, I want us to have a plan for supper. <laughs> See, that's the way my life works. Maybe yours is the same. So you know what happens when I take a day and I don't eat? You know what I'm doing? I'm thinking about that all day long. And that's driving me to pray. I'm remembering why I'm doing this. I'm coming. Because you know how easy it is to get busy. You guys ever get busy? Not do what you... Okay. When you're not eating, it, it reminds you. Okay. It reminds you to pray. It's a serious thing. It is in my life. I want to be serious about prayer. You know why? Because I want to be serious about my faith. You know why? Because I want power. I don't want us to be a powerless church. I don't want us to be powerless Christians. Power comes from faith, and faith comes from prayer. So let's be people of prayer. Father God, we ask you for help today. Lord, we need you. We desperately need you. God, we, we can't do anything without you. We're just, we're just helpless, Lord, spiritually helpless if you don't move in our lives. And so, God, we want to be connected to you. And so, Lord, we, we know that comes from trusting you, from depending upon you, from looking to you, from believing in you. And so, Lord, we ask you to strengthen that faith in us through times of prayer, times, seasons of being with you. Lord, help us to commit energy and effort to prayer. And, Father, we, we, uh, we commit ourselves to you in that today. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.